Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Glad that you've joined me on the program again today and it's so nice to have your company. We hope you're having a good week. I have a special guest in the studio. His name is Alex Martin. Alex, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you very much, Etienne. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, great. Well, I bumped into Alex a few weeks ago when I was visiting his church and uh, met Alex there and thought it'd be wonderful for him to come and share his testimony and what the Lord has done in his life and his life journey. As you know, dear listener, we're all on the journey and uh, sometimes there are ups and downs. Sometimes, you know, we respond to the promptings of the Spirit of the Lord. We respond to the leading of God even through our conscience. We make good decisions. But there are times also when we make poorer decisions than we can. And sometimes we we sort of go on to a detour a little bit as the God, God leads us. But the great thing about God is that he can always get us back on track sometimes from that detour. Now, Alex, I don't actually know your story. And often when I have people come in here and share their testimony, it's the first time I've heard it. Hmm. But to introduce yourself to our uh, our listener, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you currently do. Okay, yeah. Um, so I work at an optometrist. I work at uh, Specsavers. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, so I'm an optical assistant there. Uh, just help people with their glasses uh, mainly and um, yeah, help to do a couple of tests to support the, the optometrist. And I've been doing that since the start of this year and, yeah, really been enjoying it. Oh, since the beginning of the year? Okay, yeah, fantastic. Right. Well, look, mm. I wish I'd known of you earlier. I, I got a set of glasses uh, just recently, actually, Um and the the frame on the nose, you know, where the little cushions sit on the nose, mm. they were just bent the wrong way. And I struggled for ages to get it right. Mm-hmm. What had happened is uh, I was away when I ordered them, and then I just went and picked them up, and they never had a proper sit down and a fitting, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've got them sorted out now, but I wish I'd known you before that. <laughs> oh, well, I would have been able to help you, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And how many people in the population typically wear glasses? There's quite a few, isn't it? There's... Oh, wow. I wouldn't even know the number, but, um, you know, typically as, um, as you're in the older age groups, you, you need glasses. Uh, For reading in particular. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, yeah, a fair few people uh, coming in every day there, so... Okay, yeah. that'll keep you nice and busy. It certainly does. Now, you are an elder? Yes, yes. Also at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church in Newcastle. That's right. Yeah. Right. How long have you been the elder there? Um, just for this year. So I started okay. uh, beginning of this year. Okay. Um, and so the last couple of years I had been Bible working. And uh, I was a Bible worker at Hamilton. And um, I was doing a number of different things there yeah. and being involved. And, um, yeah, just God really put it on my heart to continue on there after I finished Bible working. And um, oh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it there. It's been a great experience. Fantastic. Now, how many elders do they have at Hamilton? Uh, at the moment, there are four of us. Four, okay. Yes. And there's a lead elder? Uh, yes, I'm the lead you elder. You are the lead actually. elder, okay. <laughs> so um, we should not judge a book by its cover, I reckon, because you look young. Yes. Um, I don't know how old you are, but that doesn't actually reflect necessarily spiritual maturity because I've met some young people, even at a young age, who have been very mature in the Lord, 
Then I've also met some older people, you know, my age or even be older, who um, lack spiritual maturity. You know, they might have worldly maturity or your physical maturity, but the spiritual maturity is not there. So praise God that He's been able to use you in that capacity as well. Oh, well, I really thank God for it, and I'm 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 humbled to be used by Him. And I just, yeah, I, I don't I don't make a big thing of it. I just uh, just want to serve God where I'm where I'm at, and um, yeah, you know, I feel that uh, He's called me to serve in that capacity, and so I want to um, honor Him and 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 be used by Him Good. as much as possible. Praise God. Well, that's good. Listen, uh, were you raised as a Christian? Are you a multi-generational Christian or you're a new Christian? Yeah, yeah. So I was raised a, a Christian. Um, had a lot of Christian values in the home growing up and uh, heard a lot about about God and, and Jesus Christ and um, you know, attended church uh, quite a number of times um, in my childhood. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of influence there. My grandfather and grandmother, um, they're Adventists. And, um, okay. and my grandfather was actually uh, a pastor. He's a retired pastor. So, oh, really? Yeah, so a lot of influence there too, which I'm grateful for. Fantastic. Mm. You know, quite often when you read the Bible, you'll see there from one generation to the next, sometimes you know, there could be a massive revival in the first generation. Like, for example, you look at those who went into the promised land after they left Egypt and that. Mm. But then once that generation passes away, there can always be a decline in spirituality. People tend to forget what God has done through the whole revival and the leading and being set free Mm. uh, from captivity. Uh, It could even be spiritual captivity, you know, enslavement. Um, Yet you inspire me as someone who's at least a third generation, could be more Christian. And here you are on fire for the Lord and doing the Lord's work. I'm really encouraged by that. Uh, praise God for that, and uh, that's all glory to Him. I really, uh, I see that as just uh, uh, simply a result of something that He's done in my life, and mm. uh, certainly no attribute of mine. It's uh, it's all God in my life, and I'm so grateful that uh, in the ways that He's led, despite the fact that I'm just like Israel and just like those those people in the Bible who have often gone astray at times. Mm. And so I'm just so grateful for God's grace and, and the way that he's brought me through those times too. Fantastic. Well, one of the things about Christianity is that, uh, you know, in other religions, you, you're born into the religion. It might be Islam. If you're born into a Islamic family, um, you basically are a Muslim for life. If you're born into a Hindu family, uh, basically they consider you a Hindu for life, especially if you're living in that particular country. Mm. So if, say, it could be India, it could be Iran or whatever it is. Uh, for Christians, however... Just the fact that you're born into a Christian family doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. You might be brought up with those values and obviously good influences. Mm. But we believe for a Christian to become a Christian, you need to be born again. Mm, You need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But Mm. you are born again by the word, as uh, the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Mm. The other thing we have also, we all by nature are fallen. We have a fallen humanity. And uh, that tends to lead us in the wrong direction by nature, you know. Mm -hmm. So you obviously have the same nature as I have, and there's some challenges in Mm. regards to that. So although you're brought up in an ideal family environment here on earth, you know, you've got the Christian uh, influences with your family and that, there must have been some other challenges in your life as well, typically that would derail the ideal that we have as Christians for our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, although I had these uh, values in um, in my childhood, and I'm really grateful for them, I'm really grateful to... um, to have been exposed to um, the the messages of God's love for me and His care for me, mm. um, uh, yet I did grow up in a in a broken home, 
Oh, okay. Um, and so my parents had split up before I was born. Mm. And so, uh, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. That's okay. Um, you know, it's something that but I've, it's, it's I've grown through. Isn't it? It's it quite is common. common. Yeah. It is common. Um, certainly something that's a challenge and, and certainly something that I don't believe, uh, you know, anyone should should grow up with um, mm. God God desires a, a, you know restored relationships relationships that are whole and 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 working together and so growing up uh, there were six of us boys Wow in uh, in the the one you got home. five brothers yeah five older brothers so I'm the youngest You're the, okay and um, and my mum actually single single parented us uh, for my entire life Wow and so um, you know there's you could imagine there was uh, you know a big challenge there mmm well, and, I took uh, my hat to you, ma'am, your, your mum, whatever her <laughs> name is. She's certainly a strong woman, and yeah, um, yeah I, I really admire the way that uh, that she carried herself through it all. Mm. And uh, you know, but it was challenging. And there's, you know, you could you could imagine with a lot of boys in the house, there's a lot of chaos going on. Yeah, um, you know. And so uh, my oldest brother, he's got um, a number of disabilities, and he's one of them is schizophrenia and autism. And so uh, that threw a lot of uh, stuff in the mix as well. And so sure. mum is here as his full-time carer mm. at home with him and raising us boys. And so very challenging environment for her. And um, yeah. I, I really respect her for, for the way that, um, you know, she, she showed us God's love yeah. unconditional uh, through it all. And, um, you know, that was something that really impacted my life a lot um, as I grew up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there was something that... Um, in in me, uh, as far as growing up with with that sort of environment, uh, is that you know without a dad around, um, it was quite a difficult thing. I didn't see my dad very much, and it was something that you know uh, not that he didn't want to be around. He certainly wanted to be around, and he wanted to be a part of our lives. Uh, but I had developed a picture of him uh, that was um, that caused me to resent him and to push him away from my life. And mm. so, you know, there was a lot of turmoil in in my emotional wow. uh, life during that time growing up. Mm. And so, you know, it it it's, it caused this kind of um, internal conflict uh, in me. And you know, I I would uh, I would be very angry most of the time. I was a very mm. angry kid. I didn't have much control over my anger. Mm. Didn't have much control over um, over different different emotional um, responses in life. Right. And uh, I think uh, some of some of that, or, or a lot of that, even was uh, not having that father figure in the home. And I'm grateful for my older brothers, um, but there was something missing in my in my heart. And there, mm. there's, you know, there's when there's a relationship that is meant to be there, yeah. uh, that is missing, mm. uh, puts a lot of strain on someone's life. Sure. And so, you know, there, I didn't understand it at the time growing up, but I really, really needed my dad. Mm. You know, that was something that that was a relationship that I really longed for, uh, but. I had learned from from other people that it's you know it's okay and it's it's um, absolutely fine not to not to have a father around and that yeah. uh, you don't need a father around. Mm. And so uh, you know um, I grew up with that that sort of thinking, and uh, and so I felt that I didn't need my father around in a sense. But then some something inside me told me you need someone, you need something. I just didn't understand it, and so it would manifest in all these different um, different ways. Yeah. So I was longing after him, and uh, and so this resentment in my heart really stopped me from from 
you know, having a relationship with him and reaching out to him. So what you needed, your emotions actually undermined that because you were unhappy that he wasn't there. Mm. You needed him, and the way you coped with it is actually through pushing him away. That's correct, yeah. Right. Wow. That's right. It's definitely complex, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And a lot of internal conflict results from that, and it's yeah. um, you know something for a kid very difficult to deal with. You don't know what's going on. Sure. You know, this this resentment caused me to put up just these walls uh, between uh, between him and I. And so we, we had a very absent relationship growing up. Every now and then I would see him and, um, and we'd um, have a bit of time together. Uh, but often it would result in, uh, in me ignoring him again mm. um, as a result of my thinking about him. The way that I viewed him caused me not to, not to desire uh, to, to uh, be a, a close um, son to him. Right. Over time, uh, this, I, I started to recognize my need. And, um, you know, I might look around and, and see families and, and fathers with their, their sons. And it sort of um, sparked something in me. But I, I lived um, in a way that I would avoid my emotions quite a lot growing up. And I learned to escape from, from my emotions mm. and from the pain and the, the whatever it would be, yeah. the unease or, uh, or the anger or um, the sadness or the loneliness. And so... Growing up, I learned to escape these things, mm. and that these were habits that I, I learned to self-medicate. Um, and really, I needed to see the root cause of my problems. Right. And it's like when you have a physical aim, ailment, uh, you go to the doctor, and uh, you know the doctor could either prescribe you, let's say, pain medication, so that you don't feel the pain anymore. That's right. Yeah, deal with the symptom, take the yeah, symptom out, right. the discomfort of the symptom. Yeah. But the overall cause is still there in the background, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And and so I was dealing with my symptoms and um, just pushing them away and covering them up with my different habits. Uh, video games was a major one when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Huge, uh, you know, I would consider it addiction mm. uh, when I was a, a young boy and that was something that I escaped into, TV shows and, and whatever else I could find to numb myself uh, from the, these issues going on in my heart. And uh, so there's this, there's separation there. Um, and it wasn't until I was 17 uh, that I really, something really hit me. It was Father's Day was coming around and I was at church um, and they, uh, the, the leaders of the church were um, making a video for all the, all the fathers hmm. and they were getting, um, having the, the sons and daughters uh, say something that they loved about their their father. Mm. And, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And uh, You'd not been able to probably ever think of your dad in any positive way, so you would have been struggling to find something to say, would you? That's right. I, I, I could not find anything to say. Wow. Um, you know, because I, I, I just didn't have a, a relationship with him. It, the, the, the type of relationship that I had with him was very, very distant and just really not much of a relationship whatsoever. Mm. And so I was struggling with that. And, you know, they did mention, hey, why don't you uh, why don't you say something about your father God, and um, you know, it it showed uh, in my life at that point that I didn't actually see God as uh, very much as my father, hmm. and there was also a distance between him and I. Right. And so this it, it sort of struck me that I I, I couldn't say anything about God genuinely um, that I felt anyway at that point in time where I sensed that he was my father and I was his son. Mm. And, um, and it was the same with my own father. And so when they, uh, when they were taking that video, I was, I was thinking, what, what can I say? What can I say? And I just longed to be able to say something about my father. 
and um, and I just couldn't. And uh, you know, I, I think I made something up um, at the time that I just felt maybe sounded right. You know, the mm. things that you do when you're uh, when you're um, in that situation, yeah. and um, didn't know what to do. And so that sort of started something in me where I I recognised my need for a father. And I decided somehow there was something in me that decided, okay, I'm going to start to get to know my dad. Mm. And um, to this point, I had not allowed him to express who he really was to me. And uh, even though he had come into my life um, so many times with with wanting to show me his love, I would reinterpret these things growing up as just a, a ploy or a, or a manipulation or whatever it okay, might be. Okay, so you put a negative connotation right. to it all. Yeah, yeah, so I reinterpreted him reaching out to me. And this this caused me to continue to have me my, my walls up. Mm. But slowly uh, in time, God started to help me to let those walls down because I started to recognize my need wow. more than ever before. Yeah. And it was this need that drove me to seek a relationship with my dad uh, for the, really the first time um, that I can remember apart from maybe once when I was a, a very young child that I remember. Mm. And so I started to open up my heart toward him bit by bit, uh, little by little, the wall started to, to come down. And, um, you know, over time, I've really started to get to know him, um, you know, from then on until until now. Mm. And... Now I can say I've got this wonderful relationship with my, my dad. He's not actually who I built him up to be. Wow. He's not who I, who I um, imagined him to be and um, held him to be in my mind. And so these, these walls started to come down and he was able to come in in a way that I was not letting him before. And so this made a, a major impact on my life and I started to discover, wow, you know, my, my dad really actually loves me. Uh, he really does care about me. He's not, uh, he's not some, some far away place and not caring about me. Mm. I'm actually on his mind. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that restored relationship. God has just done so much in that um, to teach me about... Um, just about relationships in general and about my relationship with my God as well. Wow. Um, and it's just been a special, special journey in that, mm. in that sense. Mm. So um, while you're growing up and obviously you're distancing yourself from your father, you're running these mental scripts in your mind regarding what he's like, what you think he's like, what you think his motivations are for even showing you kindness or interest. Uh, how is your relationship uh, with the rest of your family or with other friends? I mean, are you able to connect with other people at this time as well? You know, there was there was quite a lot of disconnection in general in my life, I would okay. say. Um, and, uh, yeah, just in general, I would be quite secluded. I would seclude myself and mm. isolate myself. That was something that I did to cope, um, cope with my emotions and, and, and things like that. Um, a lot of strange relationships uh, right. with, between okay. my friends at times and um, between me and my family members. Um, I had a close relationship with my mum and that was a really special thing and that was something right. that really helped me through. Um, there were a couple of brothers that I'm closer to particularly and um, and one is a pastor. And, oh, okay. um, yeah, he really influenced my life in that time too. And, um, you know, uh, I, I felt that there was a, a connection there. He had some understanding somehow. And, um, and in a way, he was, uh, he was a father figure to me in, in some sense growing up and um, a moral 
gave me a little bit of a moral compass and, uh, and a bit of that direction as well toward toward God, which I'm so thankful for. Um, but in general, my, my relationships were broken. And yeah. so you, know, you could imagine that these uh, these broken relationships, it causes you to, you know, um, be unstable in life and, and sure. you know, you're, you're uh, more prone to uh, negativity and depression as well when it goes through when you go through those things. Absolutely, yeah. they, they they talk about those people. Uh, you know, the green zones around the world where people are um, centennials. It means they live 100 plus years. Mm. And other than the lifestyle, other than the diet, is either a, a vegetarian diet or a very low meat diet. Mm. They're always active. Well, one of the things is a, a community. Mm good relationships with the community, with friends and family and that, mm. and they have that community sense. And uh, I, in many ways as well, um, people sometimes think I'm an extrovert, but I'm an introvert by nature. And um, I find that I would uh, be more task-focused or I'd be happiest to read something or be on my phone or you mm. know, not have those connections with people. But then I ended up being depressed for quite a number of years. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure what your story is, but I'm interested just to, for you maybe to explain uh, if you ever got into those areas you know, where negativity was a real factor for you in your life and you had to deal with that as well. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, even at a very young age, uh, when I was 13 years old, I remember probably for a full year I was, um, I was in a deep depression. Wow. And uh, it was fairly constant. And uh, something that, you know, it... it I had a deep sense of emptiness, hmm. um, and I didn't know where it was coming from. A lot of confusion at that age, you know. You don't know. You don't know what's uh, where. Where some of these yeah, things come of from. But, um, I, I could imagine that it, it was coming from uh, an emptiness from not only earthly relationships with my father, with other people, but with God. Hmm. And um, I really sensed uh, that that was something that was missing in my life too growing up is that although I knew about God, yeah. I didn't have a personal connection with him often uh, and certainly not up to that point when I was around 13. Yeah. And so I, I, I sensed that that was something that caused a lot of this emptiness, a lot of the purposelessness mm. and uh, a lot of insecurity and feeling uh, worthless. Wow. And uh, it's beautiful. God actually did a lot of things in my life at that time, and he worked through the relationships that I did have. Okay. And, um, you know, my grandparents uh, were so faithful in praying for me and mm. certainly an encouragement, constant encouragement for me in, in, in going to God and knowing that God cares about me. So they were praying for me at this time. Uh, my mum was praying for me, and she really saw that I needed something, and uh, she knew that it was God, and so she was praying for me too and introducing different things into my life so that uh, perhaps I would I would um, be drawn into um, a relationship with God and, and um, returning back to church as well because I hadn't been going to church, which is okay, so you you know, another for a community. While. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I All around the age of thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, hmm. prior to that, um, you know, mum, mum just wanted us to make our own decision in regards to that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and so she didn't want us to be there simply because we we were, um, you know, made to do that. She uh, she really encouraged us. Look, I, I want you to make your own choice, and you know, she encouraged us hmm. to make that choice too, uh, to be involved in in a church community where we could be encouraged and um, and and uplifted and to grow. So uh, over that period of time, through that prayer and through that influence, I, I ended up uh, going to church again. Okay. And that that first day that I went back to church, 
you know, this is in the midst of my emptiness. This mm. is in the midst of my insecurities and my still, fears and anxieties. Still around the age of 13 or That's a little bit right. older? Okay. Yeah, when I was 13. So I was, uh, I came along to church, completely my own free choice, of course. Okay. As a mum, out of the blue, she hadn't asked me for a long time. And she, she was getting ready for church and out of the blue, she said, oh, would you like to come along? And uh, I know the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said, come. Mm. Wow. And, uh, and that. I, I said yes, and um, and I actually felt that I wanted to be there. Hmm. Uh, there was something in me, and, and I know that that was God directing my life. Uh, and so I went to church that day, and, and I had all these fears in my mind, all these insecurities. What are they going to think of me? Do they think that I'm a rebellious child? Do they think, where have you been, and, and you should have been here this whole time? And So you, you were know. prejudging yourself based on what you thought people would judge you on? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so you're running all these scripts in your mind? and That's okay. exactly right. And it's amazing how these, these this thinking yeah. can stop you from, from having a, uh, you know, a beautiful experience with others and with God. Mm. And so I went there that day and, it, you know, I walked into that church and I was welcomed like I could never imagine I would be. Wow. And uh, people remembered my name and they, they even told me they'd been praying for me. And I said, I don't, I don't even remember you. I don't know your name and you've been praying for me. Wow. So it was a really special thing and mm. it was something that I really needed at the time. And God was really speaking to my heart. I don't remember what was said in the sermon. Uh, the, the, the main thing that I remember is the way that tr- people treated me as I walked in those doors and as I stayed there that day. And mm. so the smiles in their faces as they, they saw me, that was amazing to me because it, it, it shattered all of these, these uh, preconceptions of, mm. of what I thought I would experience there. And that was an amazing thing that melted my heart and started off a, a journey with God, though rocky it was, yes, it began something in my life. And I'm so grateful for the way that God led me uh, in that time. And he came into my life in a way that uh, that was gentle and it was not forceful. It was not pushy. God was lovingly entering into my life. And it was a very special thing for me to know that God loved me. That depression lifted that day. Really? And from then on, that's All right. Through from then good on, good connections. I, that's right. Because you have these people. I mean, you're expecting that there will be some level of uh, unacceptance by them. And here you felt embraced and welcome and accepted. You have people who you thought would not be interested in you and probably write you off mm. now showing care and regard for you that they've, you've even been on their minds. They've mm. been praying for you. And some of these people are people you don't even remember. That's right. Isn't that incredible? Praise God when the, when the church actually models mm. the character and the nature of God Absolutely. within the church. I'm so grateful for it. And uh, I know that God moved through those people that day in order to speak into my life and to, to open up my heart toward him mm. uh, as well as to, to, um, to engage with other people as well. So I'm really grateful for it. Well, praise God. Now, you mentioned there that uh, you know this was the beginning, but it was a rocky road from that stage onwards. It wasn't smooth sailing. It wasn't just onward and upward. Mm. So I'm really keen to hear part two of your testimony. So, dear listener, we are just halfway through our program. We're just going to take a short break here, and we'll be back to hear Alex Martin's testimony. So stay tuned. Let go to focus on me. Sometimes, if you listen hard enough, you might just hear Jesus say that to you today. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, 
which will not be taken away from her. What details in your day distract you from being present with Jesus? Why not make a list of these disruptions and talk to Jesus today about each one of them? Ask him to help you make his presence more urgent to you than your distractions. When you're done, take your Bible and place it on top of that list and symbolize that you're letting go of the things for the day in order to focus on being more present with him. So today, write your list, give it to Jesus, and remember, live your faith. Have a blessed day. Dear listener, welcome back. My special guest in the studio here on By the Word of Their Testimony is Alex Martin. Now, Alex, before the break, you were telling us about uh, your experience at the age of 13. You had been out of church for a while, and uh, your mum then uh, invited you, and you just felt the call of the Spirit and the invitation to come back to church. Mm. You expected something different when you got to church. You thought there might be a level of uh, rejection, possibly, because you're a little rebel. You haven't been to church for a while. And you actually find the opposite there with people who are loving, gen- have a genuine concern for you, even though you didn't even know them. And some of them even tell you that they've been praying for them. So you have this regard and concern for you as a person, and you experience, in a small sense, the regard that God has for every single person hmm. on this planet. Matter of fact, I just want to share a text. This one comes out of Jeremiah chapter 13 and verse 17, where God talks about those who reject his message and reject his voice and therefore are lost. And it says that God will go into a secret chamber and he'll weep for those who reject him and are not saved. So uh, God has got a very sensitive heart. He's very misunderstood, just like you Mm. at the initial misunderstanding of how the people would accept you in church. But you tell us that that's the beginning of a longing to be connected with God. Mm. But, of course, we have a fallen human nature. We have old habits, you know, and you were probably a little bit more worldly-minded at that time. Mm. Can you pick up the story there and just tell us what your experience is like from that point onwards? Yeah, so that day when I attended church that day, that was the first time that I uh, that I remember God really speaking to my heart mm. uh, in a very personal sense, and um, I really felt that the Holy Spirit had had come into my life in a way that I hadn't known Him before. And uh, I came home that day, and I just I've just felt joy in my heart where I had not felt joy for a long time because you had been struggling with depression. That's right, depression and and all sorts of um, other mental issues and anxiety was uh, one of them and fear. Wow. And that often goes with depression as well, anxiety and fear. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm. Yeah. And it's something that I've I, I've struggled with in my life and even to this day, um, anxiety tends to be uh, something that that comes up and and is a challenge, but wow. God has just done so much in in that regard. Mm. But on that day there was a joy that entered into my heart, and I know that that was God. I look back there Praise and, God. From, from here, and I say, yeah, that was definitely God entering in my life. And I, I remember I came home, and I was feeling peace, and I was feeling joy. Mm. And you know what? Uh, I was lying on the, the, the couch in the lounge room, and we were watching um, a video of uh, the experience of the Apostle Paul. Okay. And uh, one of my favorite experiences uh, of someone's conversion in the Bible is the Apostle Paul's. Very powerful. Mm. And I was watching that, and uh, and I was witnessing his conversion and how God had spoken to him, and he he was leading him, and uh, and and the way that he had changed, his life had flipped around, and he was now 
having a, this relationship with God and, and, and helping others and serving the church. And, uh, and so God really spoke to my heart when I was watching that, and uh, he impressed me to, to be baptized. And my brother was getting baptized. Uh, two of my brothers were, were on their way to, to being baptized, my mm. eldest and uh, the one just above me. Yeah. And so I was really impressed. You know, I want to give my heart to, to Jesus. I want to give my heart to God. And so that was the day that I gave my heart to, uh, to God for the first time, really mm. experiencing his love. The thing that really caused me to to do that was that he wasn't who I had built him up to be and other people who represented him weren't who I thought they were and so they had opened up a way to 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 express God's love to me yes and so I experienced God's love and that's the thing that melted my heart and 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 brought those walls down and caused me um, to give my heart over to God so there were there were two main things that I believe mm. really influenced me and okay there was there was the the fact that God was different to who I expected him to be mm. and in my mind built him up to be and the second thing was my need for him I sensed a need for him and he filled that need and as soon as I knew that he would fill that need that I'd been longing for you know I, I I'd been depressed for so long and and scattered in my mind and just escaping into all sorts of things and my life was just it was not really going anywhere I mean I was so young and yet I still sensed that and so God when God really put that joy in my heart, I knew that he was the thing that I was longing after. He was the one who I needed in my life that mm. whole time. And um, I was mentioning earlier that uh, that my relationship with my, my father and the way that that's been rebuilt sort of um, has has taught me a lot about God. Wow. And um, I just wanted to, to mention that you know, God God had been working in my life, and, and he, he has been since then too, and I'll mention some of those things, in a lot of ways that I just did not recognize. And uh, and I I had my walls up, and even from this point on, um, I mentioned that there was there was some difficulty and, and challenges with uh, with my walk with God, and I walked yeah. away from Him um, a, a fair bit after right. after this point in time. Mm. He really did speak to my heart. He really did come into my life, but I turned away from Him in the ways that I was dealing with my life. Sure. Well, we're free moral agents, you know, and uh, God respects our right. He's actually given it to us as a God-given right to choose to follow Him. Mm. Now, if you listen to the world and worldliness, Satan is the one that would never want you to leave his kingdom. Mm. God never wants us to leave his kingdom either, but he doesn't coerce and force us and trap us. We can leave any time. So he wants us to stay there because we want to and because we love him. Mm. So understand the walking away. I think that's quite common, unfortunately. Mm. We sometimes get distracted and forget how good God is. Mm. And then that's the times when we normally wander away. But his arms are always outstretched, always open, wanting us back. Absolutely. And I really witnessed that. uh, Even when I was walking away from him in my life, I... uh, I was still escaping. I was escaping uh, the the pain in my life. It, there was still pain there. Sure. Uh, there were still things that I, I didn't know how to deal with. And so I would continue to escape into all sorts of things, TV shows and, and movies and, and video games. And uh, pornography was a big thing for me growing up. Mm. And so these things were things that I would escape into in order to numb myself yeah. from the pain and and. 
what I didn't recognize was that it was numbing me from my need of God as well. Right. And so as I was, I was numbing the pain and medicating myself, I was not recognizing that these things in my life, this, this chaos, this turmoil, this emotional emptiness, anything that um, caused, caused issues in my, in my life, anger uh, was a huge thing for me. These things were actually symptoms that I, I needed God in my life. Mm. But as I, I was treating the symptoms and not the root cause. And okay. so I was treating the, this, this anger and this hurt and the, the, the turmoil and the, the, um, the hurt that I had from missing my father mm. um, and the resentment. I was medicating all of that with all these things I was escaping okay. into. And uh, that really stopped me from seeing God's love in the way that I could have seen it if I had have turned to him and recognized that that was just me needing God. It was me needing God in my life. And as a result of not having God, having a separation from him, uh, I was, I was uh, not okay in my, in my heart and my mind. Mm. It's interesting that, you know, what we need, uh, quite often when we look at the package, doesn't seem to, uh, to strike the answering cord. It's not until we engage and maybe even take the wrapping off, if I can say it like that, and, and mm. we see the precious gift of Christ. Mm. Now, I think it's the prophet Haggai in Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 that refers to Christ is the desire of all nations. Mm. We have this desire. We try and achieve fulfillment of that desire through what you refer to as self-medication. It could be pornography. It could be addictions to games or whatever it may be. Anything that keeps you up at night when you should be sleeping. I don't mm. normally consider it as an addiction, mm. right? And um, Jesus is the answer. And, That's uh, right. Yeah. We, we have a concept of Christ. We have a concept of God. And I think God is the most misunderstood being on this planet. So much propaganda from the devil, and he controls, the, me- right. he controls the media. He controls Hollywood. You know, all those things we say in the way they represent God and misrepresent God mm. um, has an influence on all of us. So thank you for That's bringing right. that out. Yeah. Mm. It's certainly something that impacted my life uh, mm. growing up, and uh, I had lots of misconceptions of God. And you know, like you were saying, we can forget God's love and his mercy and his mm. grace that he's shown us. And I certainly did. And, um, you know, it was a lot like my relationship with my dad. Uh, he was he was there throughout my childhood. He was never forcing himself on me. And I love the, the fact that you brought up that free will because it's so important. Um, you know, my my dad was around enough to let me know that he wants me in his life. And he would uh, he would express um, in different ways uh, that he loved me and that he cared about me, yeah. and he just wanted wanted me to know that. Mm. And uh, you know, I remember uh, one time he he pulled up in his car and he's got a, a trailer on hooked up on the back of his car. I was about fourteen or fifteen at the time, and uh, I had nothing to do with him at this point in time. I, re- I really just you know walls completely up, cold to him, and, and no relationship. But he pulled up with his car and he's, he's got this table on the trailer. And uh, he and my brother, they take it off the trailer and move it down into the, the, the carport. And I'm thinking, what is, what is this? And it was a workbench. Hmm. And um, I think I, I sort of assumed, oh, well, it's probably for, you know, just for the use of, um, of us boys in general. That's a nice thing. You know, he, he bought that for us. Uh, but then I saw something on the, on the front of the the bench and it was a workbench and it it had my name engraved in the in the front in big block letters alex wow. and uh you know i saw that and dad had actually made that just for me 
Mm. And he'd built this, this, this workbench with me in mind. And that really did something to me. And I, uh, I didn't fully recognize it at the time, but, uh, you know, it was so personal, mm. something that he had done just for me uh, and no one else. And, um, you know, I'd never, never ex- experienced that in such a way that, that I could have that from a, fa- from a father. Yeah. Well, look, you've got five other brothers as well, you know, and uh, so having such personal attention would have been quite unique and special, I guess. It was so something that I, I just needed. I craved it. Mm. And um, I didn't really realize that, but mm. he did that. And I, I actually remembered this, this uh, the other night and I was, I called him up and I was crying, you know, wow. this, this touched my heart mm. and um, I didn't know how much of an impact it made at the time, but it really, really, you know, it made an impact on my life. And, um, you know, I, I, I expressed that to him and he had forgotten. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and he says, you know, I remember that. And he said, this was 10 years ago. Mm. And, uh, and he said, yeah, God, God put on my heart to do that. And, um, you mm. know, I realized that God is so involved in our lives. And yeah. um, it was such a special thing to have that from a father. And, you know, there were a number of different things I just didn't recognize at the time. I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. I didn't treat my father in any such way that I would I would be able to expect mm. to be treated in such a way. So he did this not in responding to your love to him. It was mm. just simply a demonstration of his love for you. Absolutely. That's right. Wow. And unconditional. And he was just unwavering like that. Mm. You know, and it was something that in the in the end, it all worked for, for me to to bring those walls down and to say I just want you in my life, Dad. Yeah. You know, and and so we've developed this relationship uh, since then, and um, it's just been a wonderful thing. And I've I've discovered he's not who I thought he was. And wow. so this is this is something that I've experienced with God too. I long, I long, absolutely long for a personal relationship with God. Mm. Um, and it's something that I believe is is in every one of our hearts is that we need Jesus, we need our God, yeah. and um, and we long for that. So there's, I had this, this rocky path and this path of compromise in my life since meeting God for that, for that first time. But he, he'd, he'd spoken to me in so many different ways along the way that even though I didn't fully recognize it at the time, it made an impact that, that would uh, come to fruition later on in my life. And mm. it would cause me to fall on my knees and give my heart over to him later on. Yeah. And so, you know, this he he showed me this fatherly love this unconditional love that that i've needed in my life the entire time and uh though i've rejected god throughout throughout my years um i you know i came came to the point where everything was just getting worse and worse snowballing effect i was digging myself deeper and deeper into holes of of addiction and um and just emptiness and I was trying to hold on to a, a relationship with God the whole time. Mm. And there was something in me that, that I just knew that I needed God somehow. So you, had a, you sort of had a foot in both camps? That's right. One in the Lord's camp camps. and the other one in the worldly camp. That's exactly right. right. And I didn't understand the way that that impacted my life mm. um, until it, 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 it came to a head. And, um, you know, I, I started to drink alcohol when I was 17. Um, to 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 numb myself as well. It yeah. didn't become a huge. So there thing wasn't in my life, just a social drink. I take it if you if you're medicating. No, that's right. I was <laughs> okay. self medicating all the way. Yeah. And it was something that uh, as soon as I had had my first drink, I I felt that I wanted more. 
Mm. And, um, you know, that could have become a very, very big issue in my life. And I sure. praise God. He really protected me from from uh, going down, uh, deep down into a, an addiction to alcohol. Mm. Uh, but it was something, another thing that I medicated myself with. I would go out to clubs and I would look for, for women um, to, to sleep with. And, and so I was just, I was looking for any way to medicate myself, any way to, to fix somehow this emptiness in me or this mm. longing for connection, yeah. for relationships. But none of it worked. None of it was lasting. In fact, it just made things worse. It just wow. compounded my, my issues. And so I came to a point, I, I um, was studying at, at college, Avondale College. and um, Okay, so you're going through all this stuff while you're at Avondale College absolutely, as well? Absolutely, okay. yes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, you know, God had been speaking to me, and I, I, I still went to church. Um, but I had in my mind that somehow... A relationship with God could still work in my life, even though I was compromised, you know, most of the time. Mm. And I would come to church on a on a Saturday and, you know, feel that I wanted to give my heart to God. But then the, the next night I would be out clubbing again right. and I'd be out drinking um, or I'd be watching pornography. And so these things were a, a major problem in my life. Mm. I dug myself into a really deep hole that I just could not get myself out of. Wow. And it came to a point I, I had even justified uh, that drugs would be a great thing to try. Mm. And I started to smoke marijuana briefly. And uh, this came came at a point where I, I was just falling apart, falling to pieces. I was having panic attacks, um, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, my thinking was just so warped of reality. And so uh, I didn't know how to deal with it. And my, uh, my reaction was to freak out, fear, and go and isolate myself because that's where I felt that I could be safe because mm. everywhere else was was unsafe. So when you say panic attack, uh, is it possible to describe what it's like? Is it just a fear that comes over you or you just your mind gets overwhelmed and you're not able to cope? You cannot solve a problem or think straight? Mm. I mean, uh, it's a number of things. So it's uh, for me, it was when when I would see a view a situation and uh, an emotional response would happen. Mm. And it was a fear response uh, to whatever situation it was, whether I would be seeing someone who, who was a part of my life before relationships that I had had or uh, was the main thing. And so this fear that would, would trigger it. That'd be one of the triggers that would, that would trigger it. Uh, mm. That was the main trigger. And so it would strike this fear in me and I would. I would often become crippled and feel that I could not move until I decided not to do that thing, not to not to um, go into that situation where I saw that person. Um, and you know, I would the heart rate would go up, and and it's it's a such a fear response. It's it's, it's as if you're in danger of your life and you need to run. Wow. And so it's a fight or flight response mm. that happens. It's, mm. it's uh, not a normal thing and something that developed over me um, in me for, for a couple of years there. Wow. And it got worse and worse. So at this time, I started to medicate that with marijuana. Mm. And so uh, it, it was a particularly bad day, I remember, and, uh, and I'd had a panic attack. I'd come home and, and all I wanted to do was escape. And so I got the, the um, marijuana out and I smoked some marijuana and I got high. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize, but all of these decisions that I was making, I could not hold on to a relationship with God for much longer while making these decisions because these decisions were, in, in essence, uh, they were showing where I wanted to go in life. Right. So they were dragging you away, headed. basically. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was heading into a life um, that, that was just 
going off the edge to, into oblivion and, and away from God forever. Mm. Uh, or that was the sense um, that I had. And I, I was out of control. Um, I just did not know how to, to, to bring these, into, in, these things into control in my life. Did you want to at this time? Did you want to bring it into control? There was a sense. There definitely there was, a, was sense. a sense there. Yeah. Mm. But you were enslaved to all these other things. I certainly was. You couldn't break free from it. That's right. Mm. That's right. Okay. And, uh, you know, that night when I, would, when I got high, I, uh, there was something that, that came over me. And um, I, I remember it very distinctly. I was on the computer and suddenly, without my knowledge at all, not even thinking about it, there was my hand. And it was doing something in front of me. It was moving, making movements in front of me. And uh, I, it was doing that. And I looked down and I saw it and it, it was moving and I wasn't doing that. Mm. I was not in control of this movement of my hand. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And uh, from that point on, I, I recognized that I was not in control of myself and that, in fact, I'd be, uh, been overcome by a, a spirit and a demon. Okay. So and, all this, uh, all these practices in your life had opened up a doorway yeah. for demonic forces to take control of you. That's right. These decisions right. Had, had had eventually led to that point. Wow. And uh, I didn't. I don't know how long I was. Uh, I I had that for At that um, particular. But night. I know that it met. Or how long it had been with you. That's right. That's mm. right. Uh, there's, there's no telling. Um, but. Uh, Certainly, it was manifested mm. that night, and um, and so was there conflict in you at this time, or was it just say um, you were just walking together, and there was no real conflict between you and these, these evil forces? Uh, it was. You know, some people can live with sp de mm. demonic manifestations. Other people, mm. when they realize or a spirit takes over them, there's this real conflict, and they're mm. trying to resist it and trying to break free from it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's probably yeah. the, the reason I asked mm. that question. Yeah. yeah, well, so at first it was it was not something that I it was something that I was curious about, and I think my state of the state of mind at the time what, didn't go into action and go, oh, hang on, something's happening here, mm. and, and, and um, this is not okay. Okay, so you were intrigued by it. That's right. Mm. I was intrigued by it, um, and I was interested in where it might go. Um, and uh, something ensued in my mind, um, and the this demon began to speak to me in my mind, um, in my thoughts, and to say, just give your life over to me. Uh, give your life over to me, worship me, and I'm going to give you everything that you've been longing for. Mm. And um, and so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd just it's had this. An attractive this. proposition? That's right. For me at the time. Very For me attractive. at the time. Okay. Um, I was longing after, um, I was lust, lusting all the time, and, and I, I, I wanted um, experiences with women. Mm. And um, he was offering me that, offering me riches, offering me a life that was easy. Mm. Um, that I didn't need to worry about uh, things anymore and I would just be looked after. So these things were being off offered me, these propositions, and very distinctly mm. I was on one side of, of me and very distinctly on the other side I heard God speaking to me in my mind as well. And at the same time God was saying, you don't have to do this, you don't have to make this decision. I've been with you the whole time and all you have to do is reach out to me, I'm right here. Mm. And so there was this conflict in my mind. Which way am I going? Which way am I going? And, you know, I believe that this happened every time that I, I, I was escaping uh, my life and engaging in, in, in sinful acts. And, and yet I did not recognize it to the degree 
to which I recognized it that night. And I, I realized that God was speaking into my heart and saying, you don't need to do this. I'm right here. I'm not far away. I've not abandoned you. And I want you to give my, your life over to me and reach out to me. And I can save you from all of this. And I had a sense that I was enslaved. I had a sense that I couldn't, couldn't control my life. Mm. And so uh, I, I, even still, I engaged with this, this demon for a while. And, uh, and it came to the point, you know, I had, I had some health problems and everything. And there was more propositions to heal me at the time. I had this chronic illness at the time. And it, a demon even offered to, to heal me from that, which I just longed for. I really, really wanted that. It was mm. I, I had physical pain every day of my life and um, for, for five years or so at that point, um, sometimes very, very painful. I could not even get out of bed um, without feeling pain. And so offering me all of these things. And, uh, and at that point in time, I had to make a decision. And I, I, I realized this. I could either choose and, and make that final decision to go the way that I had been heading, that, that my trajectory was heading, mm. or to say no and to, to run to Jesus. But up to that point in time, you were just going with the flow wherever life took you and wherever your desires took you. Mm. But you hadn't made a final decision at that time to either uh, for Christ or to abandon him altogether. That's right. Yeah. But the, but but this demon was asking you to abandon him and to make a full surrender to him. That's right. Yes. And uh, and it was at this point I, I remembered everything that God had, had had done, and I just knew that there was something more there. I knew that there, I could not deny what God had done in my life. I could not deny the truth that I'd heard about him. Mm. And um, I realized that I needed to run to him. And uh, by the grace of God, I made the decision to run into Jesus' arms. And Wow. Uh, now, were you getting any spiritual influences? Were you hearing the gospel? Was there somebody in your life? Or was it just simply that someone must have been praying for you? Uh, certainly people were praying for me mm. um, all the time. I always had people praying for me. Uh, it was it was also a sense of what God had personally done in my life in the past. Previously. The different things that he had done, his goodness, yeah. the way that he expressed his love to me. And I knew that, that he was that. the way to go. I remembered that. Oh, praise God. Yeah. And it drew me. It drew me to give mm. my life to him because I, re I realized that Satan just wanted to enslave me. Satan wanted me... To, to make me a puppet and enslave me to sin for the rest of my life and destroy my life. Mm. I made the decision for Jesus and I ran into his arms and, and I remember sitting there and there I am sitting in my room in the dark and God's arms are around me. And I just feel this very, very real sense that his arms are wrapped around me wow. and I just felt grace, mm. just felt grace and acceptance in his arms. That was a turning point for my life and I realized that God had a plan for me and that he was going to carry me through. And it's been since then that I've been making decisions for him. It, uh, there was a lot more that ensued, but we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, however, I, I gave my heart over to Jesus in that, uh, that night. I called my brother. He prayed over me um, over the phone, and um, I surrendered my entire life um, over to, to Jesus. And I began to let him in in a way that I hadn't let him in in a very long time. And um, he entered into my heart and in my life, gave me peace again, wow. and uh, gave me purpose again. And since then, I have uh, been, been seeking to, uh, to walk with God. And to grow the relationship with the Lord and get closer to Him That's and right. Him obviously abiding in your heart more and more. Mm. Wow, wow, what a powerful testimony of God's goodness and His grace. And 
I think what you shared with us is quite a common experience for many. So, uh, dear listener, we are just going to take a short break here and share our contact details with you, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, you're listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Alex Martin. Alex, you were telling us a remarkable testimony of that night when you realized something else was in control of your physical being now, Mm. a demonic spirit. And that that was the same night that you made the decision for the Lord, wasn't it? That's right. Wonderful. So we praise God for that. You rang your brother who is a pastor. He prayed over you, and that was the beginning of your release. Just in the closing um, moments that we have, uh, what would you like to share in regards to your walk with the life and leave as an encouragement for our listener out there? Mm, sure. I really look back uh, at that experience, and um, and God had expressed to me that he loves me no matter what, and that love is unconditional, it's mm, unchanging, yes. and uh, that all he desires for me is, is a life of freedom with him. And, you know, we can have all sorts of misconceptions of God, uh, different ideas of who he is, uh, but he doesn't want to restrict our lives. He doesn't want to enslave us. He doesn't want to control us. Mm. That's what Satan wants to do, and I discovered that. Yeah. What I discovered in God is that he desires a really abundant life with us Amen. and that I can find that in Jesus. Mm. That night, God really spoke to me in a very personal way. And since then, he has just been a part of my life in such ways as I could never imagine that he, he would be before. And so I've come to know Jesus as my personal savior, my personal friend and companion. And, you know, I've gone through some very difficult times since and uh, still am in. But God is so faithful and he sticks with us through it all. And all I have to do is call out on his name and open up my heart to him and he comes. And he's always near. It's never God that's distant from me. It's Mm. always me who's been distant from God. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening, if you feel that you've been distant from God, if you feel that, uh, that you've been walking away from him, compromising, uh, if you feel that you've been medicating yourself and, um, and you feel that there's distance between you and God, he's your father. Amen. And he's calling you to, uh, to give your heart over to him so that you can experience his love. And so uh, my prayer is that you would experience God's love in a way that you've never, never had before. Praise God. Thank you, Alex Martin, for coming to share your testimony. And I want to just express the same prayer for you, dear listener, as Alex expressed before, that he whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. He can set us free from our slavery and our captivity to our own desires and thoughts, which will take us on a terrible path that never, maybe short glimpses of satisfaction, but they're not lasting. Mm, that's right. As a matter of fact, you feel worse afterwards than you do before once you sober up, you know. So uh, we look forward to catching up with you next time here on By the Word of Their Testimony. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.